Assalamu alaikum Just before we begin, if you support the Young Smirks podcast and you want to help support the channel, please go to the Patreon below and support us monthly so we can keep up with the shows. We've got lots of content coming up. We're going to have special content specifically for the Patreons as well as a new series on Hijra, inshallah. So please go to the Patreon below and support the podcast. Assalamu alaikum so Sheikh, your your time in England, you've you've been very productive, alhamdulillah, over mm. these years mm. living in England. So maybe we can speak about some of the efforts that you've done. Uh, I know you spent you you had a lot of role to play in setting up the Sharia Council mm. uh, in in the UK as well as um, helping set up many mosques around the UK. So um, also your, your role in supporting Masjid Tawheed and uh, Green Lane Mosque and other uh, mosques around the country. So one thing to note is that when uh, Sheikh Munibaz uh, transferred me from Kenya to England, there was uh, no conditions laid down for me that you have to do a certain type of dawah and you have to associate yourself with someone, nothing. Mm. They got such a trust in me that Sheikh Nibas said, go, mm. go to, uh, to England, go to London. I, with my personal contact, I got someone I knew in London who, who was a student of my father and who was the president of UK Islamic Mission in London, Rashid Ahmad Siddiqui. He has mm. already, he has died as well. So I, I, this is the only person I knew him and one of my colleague, now I remember, another colleague, Hafiz Nisaruddin Ahmad from East Pakistan, when we came to Medina, but later it became Bangladesh now, mm -hmm. Hafiz Nisaruddin Ahmad. So through Rashid Ahmad Siddiqui, I was able to rent a house in North London, which is Wood Green area. And uh, then I, I thought how to start my work. So Rashid Ahmad Siddiqui said, uh, we got an office in Liverpool Road in London, so you can come. And uh, we received letters about Islam and invitations to lecture about Islam. So you are welcome there. So I used to start, uh, I started from there. And I remember going to many places uh, to do lecture as well. And there was an interesting uh, story as well, should I say it to it as well. Once I was uh, invited to give a speech about Islam and the address was Piccadilly Tavern. Hmm. You say Tavern or Tavern? Tavern, yeah. Tavern. Uh. Like a pub, or? Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, this is the whole uh, idea is that I did not know what tavern is. Huh? I got the address and took a little tavern. So, uh, I, I started driving in, in Kenya. I learned driving in Kenya and, and uh, I have traveled a lot in Kenya. So, in, uh, in London, I got a car as well. So, I went to Piccadilly and because Piccadilly is very uh, busy area, so I found a parking somewhere, and then 
there used to be A to Z in those days. There is no A to Z nowadays. Huh? So I found out my way from A to Z. I took uh, the book in my hand and I started walking towards that building which is known as Piccadilly Tavern. So I was just uh, entered into a pavement which was fenced from both sides, but I did not know that this is a blind alley. Huh? They are going to join, <laughs> the fence is going to join in front of me. So I have to go all the way back. I said, why should I go all the way back? I was still a young person. So I jumped from above the fence because I could see that I'm near the place. Of course, uh, that was a wrong uh, jump. So uh, my ankle was hurt. Uh, my glasses fell down. The book fell down as well. So I took them and uh, then I crossed the road and I found a bench there where I sat for a while because something, I felt some pain in my ankle. And then I looked upon like this. In front of me was a pub called Piccadilly Tavern. That was the building where I was invited. So this is uh, the first time I, I know that it was a pub. <laughs> So I entered into the pub and I asked uh, the receptionist uh, girl that I had been invited by a group of uh, some English people. So where are they? She said, they are upstairs, go by the stairs. So at that time, I was not feeling much pain, so I was able to go upstairs and I found them. They welcomed me and then I told them that this is what happened to me. One of them was a doctor, I think a woman, and she brought some painkillers pills to me and I took it and they asked, uh, of course they wanted me to speak about Islam. So I gave my speech, but, but when I discovered that we are in the pub and they asked me, should uh, we bring you some, some drink? <laughs> I said, any, any soft uh, drink like Coke. Uh, and then I spoke only about the liquor and why it is prohibited in Islam. That was the topic which I dealt with. After the speech, I felt more pain in the ankle. And it was uh, bothering me a lot. So when I started leaving, they said, uh, should, we, you know, uh, should we give you some assistance? So a person on my right, a person on my left, and I can recline or rely upon, uh, rely upon them. So I thought that if I come down in this way, uh, reclining upon two persons' shoulders, the people there would say, oh, this man is it totally drunk. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even walk. <laughs> so, so I said to them, no, please, I am going to walk by myself. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I ask from you, one of you drive me home, uh, because I would not be able to drive. So he drove me home, and this is how that was my encounter with the Piccadilly Tavern. Uh, I hope he wasn't drunk driving you home. <laughs> yes, I did not. I did not. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, 
Mm-hmm. That year, I was uh, also mm-hmm. sent to America first time in uh, 1977 for a 40 days course in Chicago to teach uh, the American Muslims. American mm-hmm. Muslims mainly, mainly who are uh, used to be the followers of Alija Muhammad, but now they were on the right uh, course of Islam. Mm-hmm. So that was a program arranged by. Uh, University of uh, Muhammad bin Saud, Islamic University of Riyadh, mm. Rabita, and uh, Darul Ifta. Mm. So this is how uh, I went there, and I was a teacher of uh, hadith as well. I was the teacher of hadith. It was the month of Ramadan, and uh, that was seventy nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight, because I remember they were still. Celebrating the, uh, the two years uh, uh, Independence Day, you know, of two hundred years after, because America got independence in seventeen seventy six. So we were in nineteen seventy eight. So you can say two hundred anniversary, or yeah. that's right. In the last uh, session of the students, when uh, we have finished. the course one of the students uh, because i um, i i missed saying that that i was still feeling that pain that there in uh, during my teaching once again i stumbled and this pain became intensive so they have to take me to the hospital and uh, then they have to have uh, plasters upon my upon my leg and uh, then i have to take what is is called the crutch yeah. uh, a crutch is yeah. huh? crutch is in my hand when i was leaving so the one of the students said because in a in a, 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 a as a joke that we people were so bad that we make one of our teacher <laughs> stumble and take uh, end up with the crutches in his hand <laughs> so uh in the beginning i said that to to start my dawa i should do some uh, some publications so this is how i formed its quran society hmm. right in those years in 77 or 78 with some of those people whom i was introduced and there were some good people four of them and we started uh, al quran society and uh, the idea was to write lessons to introduce quran and sunnah so these lessons are known as the study of al quran each lesson comprised uh, three uh, in uh, three chapters one about one of the prophets like Sayyidina Adam in the beginning and his teachings and the second that was about uh, the beliefs in Islam so we start with belief in Allah in the first one and the third one which is about the pillars of Islam like starting with prayer so these uh, three chapters in each lesson so i used to write these lessons and uh, then we started printing them so i you can say that uh, i i could uh, write in 3 months time or 4 months time one lesson and then get it typeset then 
printed, then circulated, and this is how we completed in so many years the set of 20 lessons which is now available in one volume. So that was the first uh, publications of Al-Quran Society. Later, I printed many other small booklets mm. like uh, Introduction to Islam, Introduction to Sunnah, Introduction to Usul al-Hadith, and uh, about Qawa and Qadr, about uh, uh, raising children in Islam, uh, how to pray, uh, about shirk. So there are about 20 different small booklets as well, Mashallah. which came out through Al-Quran Society and they are still available. Mashallah. That was the first thing, Al-Quran Society is, sti is, uh, is still in publications, though it is not Mashallah. so active as it used to be. We used to have uh, an annual uh, gathering as well. Mm. So all those people who were following the study of Al-Quran lessons, mm. we invite them. And we used to have our annual uh, annual gathering in Conway Hall, which is near Hoban mm. in London. Mm. Mm. Conway Hall was yes. very famous uh, for political speeches and other speeches mm. as well. That was one effort. The second effort, uh, which we, st we wanted to establish a mosque for Ahlul Hadith people. I used to live in North London. Hmm. Mosques were very rare at the, in those days. The nearest mosque to us was in Finsbury Park, and that was for that is known as Darul Riaya, Darul Riaya al Islamiyah, and uh, it was in Finsbury Park. And there I knew my Sheikh Sayyid al Darsh as well, who was the Imam of Islamic Culture Center in Regent Park. So he used to lead uh, Eid prayer first prayer and I used to do the second prayer as well. Mm. And again in Daru I have uh, been uh, uh, leading Tarabi prayer as well. Mm. Tarabi prayer as well in Daru in those days. Until I found uh, some other brothers from Pakistan and from India as well. In this part of London which is Walthamstow and uh, Leighton in that in this area so we assembled uh, in our place in, in wood green and uh, we got uh, uh, we, we we tried to establish the first mosque al hadith mosque in mm. this area the interesting thing is that we established a mosque here and uh, we also contributed in the establishment of a mosque in Greenland, Birmingham. Yeah. In both these mosques, there is a great contribution of one person from Kuwait, who is Sheikh, uh, not Sheikh, he is uh, an ordinary person, a businessman, Abdul Aziz Ali Al Mutawwa. Abdul Aziz Ali Al Mutawwa and his brother Abdullah Ali Al Mutawwa are very famous in Kuwait. Mm. Of course, both have uh, passed away. Abdul Aziz Ali Al Mutawwa used to come to London each year in summer. I was introduced to him, and he was uh, always very enthusiastic about teach, about uh, speaking about Quran, his mm. understanding of Quran. 
so in this way there was something common between two of us i was a young person he is a bit old person so we we would sit and uh, he would speak about ayat of al quran he has compiled two uh, books as well on his thoughts about surah al kahf and some other surah of al quran as well he was a wealthy person and uh, he was in business in in car business so and he was of course very uh, sympathetic to ikhwan movement in egypt mm. and i just wanted to elaborate uh, this point here now to say that as imam nitami has said that when you see all the different groups in the muslim society you have to judge them according to quran and sunnah whichever is near to quran and sunnah is nearer to you as well if you think that you are on the right path of quran and sunnah so anyone who got nearer to quran and sunnah than the others then you can cooperate with him hmm. so how he uh, this person uh, is cooperating with us hmm. how i am uh, very close to him only because there is something common between two of us and that was quran hmm. he contributed in buying our first uh, place in north london the major contributions came from our office darul iftah riyadh and uh, then his contribution so by this we were able to buy our first uh, yani house which became the office of al quran society in north london hmm. and uh, i also lived there uh, top of that house or you can be in the first floor ground floor was all for al quran society's office and there was uh, we started evening classes hmm. which were uh, also run by my wife because she was teaching the children right from the beginning and i was holding lessons with them on saturdays and then i took the very same person sheikh abdul aziz al musawwa to birmingham hmm. so at in birmingham at that time there was no center for al hadith hmm. just a very small house in st george's road just st george arthur road hmm. it was a very small building where the amir of jamaat at that time was teaching the children when i visited him with sheikh abdul aziz al mutawwa we went and uh, we visited that mosque he listened to the sheikh who was teaching the children and uh, before he leaves he would write a check of 20000 pound and it was a great amount at that time i am speaking in 1978 77 and gave it to the sheikh they have to add only 4000 so by an amount of 24000 they were able to buy that building which is known as 20 green lane subhanallah it was uh, a council building with two big pools of water in it mm. dry pool of water now the swimming pool yeah uh, 
the main thing is the building was a historical building, a big building. Mm. Later they have renovated it and they mm. turned it into such a beautiful center. Yes. But uh, it was established by this person, Russian. by the effort of this person. So oh. you can say that this is one of his great hasanat, great virtues. Mm. And uh, our people should remember that who mm. was the first donator to that building. Yeah. And, and then, in the and very uh, Green Lane has become a uh, you know a, a big influence on many mosques actually. That's you know, right. They look at Green Lane, mm. you know, as a as a way of they aspire to be as big as, as Green Lane. Yes, that's They're right. Doing lots of good dawah work, mm. organizing conferences. So what I was saying that uh, uh, after establishing these two projects. Then we were looking for to establish a mosque. So this is how uh, we started the movement here in this area of Leighton. And we found uh, that house which is 34 Francis Road. Mm. So that house uh, in 1984, it was uh, bought at a price of 24,000 as well. And the major donation, which is 20,000, came from our Sheikh, Sheikh Ibn Abbas. Because I went to Sheikh Ibn Abbas and I said to him that we want to establish uh, the mosque and we got no money at all. So I told him that that is the expenses. So straight away he asked uh, his treasurer to write this check of 20,000 in my name. In my name. He did not even say that, uh, bring me the name of the organization mm. and this and that. No, yes. in my name. I got still the copy of that check. Mm. Uh, so we added Shalom. another 4,000 and uh, at uh, a price of 24,000 we bought that building, which is 34 Francis Road in 1984, April 1984. We started our mosque and madrasa there. And this is how I used to come from North London, each Juma to lead Juma here, each uh, Sunday to give some lessons in uh, Hadith, Sahih Muslim, I started Sahih Muslim. And before that, I have already started my weekly tafsir lesson in East London Mosque. That was also in its uh, original uh, building, which was a very small building, mm -hmm. just a hall with free, uh, prefabricated uh, panels made of that. So I used to go there each Saturday and give this tafsir lesson and I remained doing it uh, until I reached to, I remember to Surah Al-Naml huh? or Surah Al-Shu'ara till that mm. Surah. And uh, then of course uh, I have moved that lesson to the new mosque here in Leighton. So this mosque which was established in 1984, it remained as a mosque for 13 years. Mm. After 13 years and uh, we needed a bigger place. That place was not enough as you can see. So our brothers they found out uh, uh, that place which is 80 High Road. It was an old cinema building. It used to be a cinema in 40s. Hmm. Later it was turned into a big store. 
and later it was abandoned completely. So when we saw it, there was no one living there except for pigeons, <laughs> just pigeons. Huh? So Alhamdulillah, with a deal with the council, we bought it at a, at a price of, I think, 100,000. And later, I uh, went to collect more funds in uh, Saudi Arabia. And with the help of Saudi Arabia later, we were able to construct a new mosque, which is this mosque, as you, as you can see, huh? Leighton Mosque, mosque. 80 High Road. So that is a big mosque which can accommodate around a thousand worshippers in two stories building. So the whole cinema was demolished except for the exterior walls and a new building emerged of two floors. Uh, so there are two halls and there is a hall for women as well. Uh, so we moved to that mosque in 97. So 13 years this place was a mosque. Once we moved there, then we turned it into Islamic Sharia Council's mosque. Uh, in Islamic Sharia Council's offices. Hmm. Uh, I, I forgot to mention about uh, establishing Islamic Sharia Council. Hmm. Because Islamic Sharia Council was established before this mosque in 1982. In hmm. 1982, we have a big meeting in uh, Birmingham Central Mosque, which was attended by many, many ulama from different mosques. Uh, it was uh, actually a movement which is known as Unite the Muslim Ummah, Ittihad Millat movement. So because of that movement we assembled there in, uh, in Birmingham Central Mosque and we have uh, Allama Khalid Mahmood from Manchester. Mm. So you, must, uh, you must have known him. Mm. That is from Islamic Academy. Allahumma Khalid Mahmood. He was a great scholar in that uh, he established Islamic Academy. He was well known among the Ubandi ulama. So once we finished uh, our activities about this concept, concept of Ittihad Millat, then we assembled once again to form an Islamic Sharia Council. Hmm. That idea of Islamic Sharia Council, I wrote all the, you can say, the blueprint of Islamic Sharia Council myself, that why we need an Islamic Sharia Council to guide the Muslim community in all such matters which uh, uh, are to be dealt with by the, the scholars of Islam the issues of uh, marriages, the issues of divorces, the all other issues which uh, we come across in our Muslim societies. Mm -hmm. That was the idea. So the 10 main centers of uh, England and Scotland, they all get together and they formed Islamic Sharia Council. Mm -hmm. So it was established by 10 centers. And uh, with a guidance from late Allama Khalid Mahmood, he died also recently. What he did uh, after uh, the meeting, he stood up and he placed his hand on my shoulder. And then he said that we have done our work. 
So I propose Sayyid Mutawalli Ad-Darsh, who was the Imam of Islamic uh, Culture Center as the chair of this council, and Maulana Mahmoud Ahmad Mirpuri, who was the secretary general of Al-Hadis in Birmingham as secretary of Islamic Sharia Council. So this is how it started, mm. how it started. So the office was established in Greenland Mosque of Islamic mm. Sharia Council. And as I said, the main purpose was to guide the Muslim community. Mm. So what happened that we started uh, receiving applications from the women for hula purposes, for asking mm. for divorces. So this is how we started this work. Mm. That is to, to give our judgment in divorce cases, in hula cases. Mm. So it, uh, uh, th this work started from Birmingham mm. in 1982 until the death of uh, Maulana Mahmoud Mirpuri in 1988 in a car accident. Mm. So after uh, his death, the office was moved from Birmingham to my place in London because there was no other one to take care of it. The chair, Mutawalli Darsh, was in London as well. Mm. So since that time, I took care of Islamic Sharia Council from that office which we started as the office of Al-Quran Society. So it remained there till 97 when we got this building uh, after the mosque was moved to AT High Road. So since 97, Islamic Sharia Council got a proper offices. And this house has been uh, demolished uh, 10, 12 years ago and we have built a new house, mm. a, a new building which got an attic as well so we got more space yes, and sir. a basement for prayer as well. Yes, so and Alhamdulillah that is a very successful uh, uh, Sharia Council because according to our serial numbers we have exceed, exceeded 11,000 cases till now. Hmm? in 11,000 cases of khula and divorces which we have dealt with. Uh, and uh, in uh, 1908, there was a documentary was made by the title of Divorce Sharia Style, mm. which came out on Channel 4, yes, which has introduced uh, Sharia, uh, Sharia yeah. councils in this country. Yeah. And then there was a, a huge uh, uh, propaganda about it and... Uh, you can see objection to Sharia courts as well. So that matter came into the public since that time. Mm. So that was another institution, mm. Alhamdulillah, which was uh, started and which is still running, Alhamdulillah. And the mosque itself, which is known as Tawheed Mosque in Eti High Road. Mm. And Alhamdulillah, I got many other activities I have been with Muslim aid for quite a long time since mm. its inception in 1985 by Brother Yusuf Islam. And uh, later, at one point, I have been a chair of Muslim aid as well mm. for a term and vice chair for uh, more than a term. And I have traveled because of, uh, because of uh, the activities of Muslim aid to different countries including mm. Bosnia, 
just mm. after the war has come to an end. Mm. I traveled to Bangladesh for that purpose mm. as well. I traveled to Mozambique mm. uh, because of Muslim aid. You also, you also had a part to play in the European FIC Council as well, right? Yes, you have reminded me this as well. There are, this is European uh, Council, which was European, uh, European Council for Fatwa and Research, mm. which was established in 97. Mm. Right from the beginning, I am with this council, and uh, they got their annual uh, meeting mm. in any European capital. Mm. If not, then in their head offices, which is in Dublin, mm. Dublin Islamic Center. So many conferences are annual meetings are held in Dublin. Mm. But nowadays, for the last uh, six, seven years, we assemble in Istanbul, mm. because uh, that is a good place for the people who come from the East, who are coming yes. from Arabian countries, they can come easily to Istanbul. Mm. And coming from Europe, from America and Canada, they can also have uh, mm. this center meeting point. So this is European Council for Fatwa and Research, which was headed by Sheikh Yusuf Al-Qarabawi right from the beginning mm. until 2018, when he resigned because of his age. And uh, then uh, our brother Sheikh Abdullah Al-Judeh, he was elected as the chair, he is from Leeds, from mm. originally from Iraq, but because of his own uh, uh, reasons or personal reasons, he resigned within one year. So from uh, since 2019, as a vice chair, I have to take the role of uh, uh, the vice chair and then the chair now. Mm. So I'm at uh, at this moment. I am the head of European Council of Fatwa and Research as well. Mm. And then there used to be American Assembly for Jurists, which is known as AMJA, AMJA yeah. in America. So uh, I have been attending their meetings as well, right? Uh, I think right from the beginning as well. But because of some uh, difficulties getting a visa of America, mm. I'm no more able to go there yes. for the last two, three years. Mm. Sheikh, you've had a, a very eventful life. Mm. You've traveled a lot. Sure. You've witnessed a lot and experienced a lot of different things. And um, one thing I've noticed about your life is from the very beginning, mm. you know, in Pakistan and uh, obviously in Kenya and back into the UK, you, you've mixed with different groups of Muslims, you know, and so I wanted to speak to you a bit about this in terms of, you know, how Muslims can work together and what is the limits and what is the guidance in working with different groups of Muslims, you know, with different views on Islam, you know, and, and how can we work uh, with each other and what what is the guidelines on this? Because, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not sure if you know, but the online YouTube world mm. is quite a quite a nasty place. A lot of Muslims attacking mm. each other, and mm. and um, but at the same time, you know how how do Muslims work together, and and what is the guidance and what is the limits as well. In, see, in my experience, <coughs> in my life experience, I can say that 
I was <coughs> brought up in the lap of Jamaat Islami because I was 15 years old when my father resigned from Jamaat Islami. So it means that 15 years of my teenager's age, that was just in the lap of Jamaat Islami. And uh, through them, we have exposed to uh, Al-Ikhwan as well. And this is how I translated the book by Imam Hassan al-Banna mm -hmm. in Urdu. So this is how I was brought up, which means that uh, there was a sense of cooperation with different organizations or different ideologies right in my mind, right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So when I came to Saudi Arabia and studied in Al-Madinah, uh, we were uh, we we had to meet uh, many students from different countries as well mm. with different backgrounds so though my bringing up was totally uh, in ali hadith methodology but uh, i knew about other people a lot yeah. with one thing which i think is common and which should be a, a principle for all muslims Cooperate with each other in the matter of piety and taqwa, but not in the matter of sin and transgression. That should be our motto in our life. Hmm. And then when I went to, to Kenya, there was no Salafi movement there at all. Hmm. Who supported me? The people, the local people from uh, among the Asians, the closest people to me are those uh, who were inspired by Jamaat Islami there as mm. well. I got like uh, Brother Abdurrahman Bazmi was a great poet, but uh, he, he was very fond of uh, Jamaat literature. Dr. Saeed, another person, Mr. Abdul Halim, another one. They are the one who supported me. They knew that I am Allah this uh, and uh, I got this thought. But uh, they were always very happy with me and they listened to me and uh, they follow my khutbah as well. And uh, then local population was all Shafi, following Shafi Mazhab. Hmm. Now in Pakistan what happens because Ahlul Hadith people they pray in a way which is different from Hanafi way. So hmm. this is why they are easily recognized. So if a person is saying Ameen loudly after Surah Al-Fatiha, everybody would understand that there is some other yeah. hadith here. Now in, uh, in Kenya, they are all Shafi. And our prayer is just like Shafi prayer. Hmm. So nobody ever asked me who you are, <laughs> yeah. except for that incident. Yes. Never ever anybody asked me that uh, you are not praying like us because they were Shafi and my mm. prayer is just like their prayer. And uh, here when I came to this country, who was the first one to welcome me once again? That was the UK Islamic Mission. Mm. Because uh, Mr. Rashid Ahmad Siddiqui, he was a student, uh, uh, he was very close to my father as well. He was very close to my father. And I think his wife has studied some lessons with my with my father. This is what happened. So they were very close to us. 
and uh, the person who came after Rashid Ahmed Siddiqui as a UK Islamic Mission President was Brother Salim Kiani. Salim Kiani was also from UK Islamic Mission mm. and he cooperated with me, I cooperated with him. And then uh, when we have, uh, when I joined uh, this Markaz of uh, Al-Hadith in Green Lane, at that time, uh, even in the beginning, uh, the people who established Jamaat Al-Hadith, this is the, uh, the person who started this movement, uh, Fadl Karim Asim, Sheikh Fadl Karim Asim, he himself, he was cooperating with all these groups mm. until he came to establish his own center. But before that, he was cooperating with all of them. Mm. How did we establish Islamic Sharia Council? Cooperation with all these uh, 10 centers. Mm. So I could understand that you can't achieve something uh, great. You can't achieve it without cooperating with other groups which got something in common with you. Mm. So this is how I have uh, seen in my life and uh, I would say that this idea that any person who is closer to you in your understanding of Quran and Sunnah, you have to cooperate with him till that mark. Mm. You are not going to cooperate with him in any matter which is innovative. Mm. are in any innovation at all. I have, uh, one of them objected to me that why did you attend a gathering of Ikhwan, for example. Mm. I, I know someone attacked me by saying this question. I was in, in Makkah and uh, there was a meeting with Sheikh Rabi al-Madkhali. Mm. When they say Sheikh Rabi al-Madkhali, the people who follow him, Sheikh, mm. big Sheikh, Sheikh Rabil Madkhali. He was uh, just graduated one year before me. Mm. He was the first batch of Medina Islamic University. I am the second batch. Nah? Mm. His colleague was Abdurrahman Abdul Khalid. He later went to Kuwait, mm. where he established this Sarafi movement. Mm. Sheikh Rabil Madkhali was uh, very staunch Salafi. So there were some students from England who used to, to attend him and he were, they were there in that meeting. And just to, to let Sheikh Rabi Madkhali uh, ask me these questions, why do you attend an Ikhwan meeting or an Ikhwan public meeting, means they invited me for a lecture and I went there in Dublin right in the beginning when I came to this country. So I said to them, if I am invited in a church uh, to speak about Islam, I have to sit with the Anglican uh, priest. Mm. Sometime I am invited to a synagogue. Someone is sitting next to me is a Jew. Yes. What do you say about that? I should not do that. Mm. I say what I believe and I have attended many meetings with them. So I say what I believe. I am not uh, talking in their language. I am talking in my mm. own language. So in the same way, wherever I am, I go to the Diobandi Mosque and I speak my mind. 
I, I go to, if I go to any, any other gathering, I will speak my mind as well. So there is nothing wrong with that. And that is how the dawah should be done. So this is, this is my stand. I, I speak my mind. I always express what uh, I think what is best, what is right. But I am ready to listen to other people as well. I am ready to make, uh, have a dialogue with them as well if there is some point of differences as well. Mm. And this is how we can uh, still keep the unity among the Muslim ranks. Otherwise, uh, you, would be, you would be disunited and disunity will never bring you to any strength or power at mm. all. So my nasiha, my advice to all our Muslim brothers is that you are a dawa bearer of Islam in this country. Your duty is to speak what you believe according to Quran and Sunnah. But wherever there is any common ground with any other faction and they ask for your cooperation, then you cooperate with them. Here I may mention that uh, when I was in North London and that was Haringey, we knew that uh, the primary schools they have introduced they, they want to introduce in their libraries books about, about uh, those people who are, uh, uh, who are known to be. Yes. Uh, what do you say about them? Huh? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Ah. The people who want to yes. have free sex, men with men and yes. women with women. All the LGBTQ type Yes, uh, yes. So they wanted to introduce uh, for the children illustrated books to display how these people could live. And the two men living together with a child mm. adopted. Yes. This type of books which were coming from Sweden. Yes. Now this movement was objected by the Roman Catholics, by the Jews, in Haringey, by other Christians as well. And also we also objected to it as well. Now this is a common cause, isn't it so? Yes. Here that is a common cause. Should I not uh, cooperate with them in this matter? Mm. Yes, I have to cooperate with them. And this mm. is what we have done. With our mm. cooperative effort, council abstained from introducing these books. Mm. That was an achievement. So this is the idea, but what I am saying, wherever there is a common cause, then we must cooperate with each other. If we don't do, then it means that uh, you are not mm. achieving uh, your objective at all. You can't achieve it. Le leading on from just from that point, um, another question I'd like to ask you is, you know, you obviously you've seen England change mm. dramatically over past many years and um, what would your advice to be for Muslim parents now raising children in this this new environment that England is coming with and um, you know do you have any advice for Muslims Muslim families Muslim parents um, you know raising children in, in the Western environment 
but uh, I have felt that uh, those first immigrants to this country from uh, subcontinent India and Pakistan, they came to this country just for their, just for financial reasons mm. to, to work and uh, to acquire a good amount of money, send money back to their own kith and kin as well. So this is why when they brought their families here, they got no time to take care of them at all. The children, they were just exposed to the state school and they got uh, no role for their tarbiya at all. But I would say that now when we got uh, second or third generation of these immigrants and they are well educated in the schools and colleges of this country, they're not like uh, uh, their parents who were, uh, who were just workers in factories, they should take a constructive uh, role in rearing and bringing up uh, their children. They should have uh, sitting with their children, praying with them as well, let the children pray with them as well, take them to the mosque, let them be introduced to the mosque environment, so there should be a role of the parents for the bringing up the, of, of the children. They don't leave them to the state school. Mm. So once uh, they got a good tarbiya at home, then inshallah uh, these uh, children uh, could be saved from any external influence, un-Islamic influence. So that is, uh, that is very, very, very mm. important. And the other things which some Muslim mind have adopted to have uh, separate schools, separate Islamic schools. And uh, this experience, uh, this experience which was uh, followed by many Muslims to create Islamic schools and Islamic environment, I don't deny it that was uh, productive. That was a good experience as well. But the problem is, once uh, the children, they leave the secondary school, then when they go to the university, that, that is the same university on, uh, on, on those very lines which are introduced by the educational department of this country. So this is why we should have a very, very solid foundation for our children right from their beginning, mm. from the primary stage, not just for secondary stage, from the primary stage. So in this way, we can see that uh, our children could be, uh, could stay on the right paths and uh, at, uh, in the right angle. That is what I think is very important and Allah knows better. Jazakallah uh. Sheikh. Sheikh, it's been a nice uh, journey learning about your your life, a lot of, lot of benefits. And I'd like to thank you. Mm. And uh, on behalf of all the Muslims in the UK, you know, for all your efforts on uh, helping establish the Muslim community here in the UK, all of us have benefited in mm. some way mm. without indirectly or without actually even knowing it. Mm. And uh, subhanAllah, we ask Allah to accept it from you. Yes, and, this is uh, the main thing that yeah. uh, you have to make this du'a as well. Yes. 
And I keep on making this dua as well that, oh yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if these efforts are done just to please you, then, oh yeah. Allah, make Amen. it uh, a way of my salvation in Al-Akhirah. Amen. Uh, Amen. This is what I also always uh, ask in my dua. Mm. Shaykh, it is a pleasure to meet you. And I uh, thank you for your time. Jazakumullah khairin. And, uh, and thank you for coming a long way from Manchester and no, taking this interview. MashaAllah. With the help of Brother Bilal, Brother Salim. MashaAllah. Jazakumullah khair, Shaykh. Mm. Do you have any final words you'd like to say just before we go? Uh, I can, can see that uh, what we, we have played our role. And now that role is... Uh, now given to the next generation. And one of the representatives of this generation is our brother, sitting here, Bilal, as well. Huh? <laughs> so now you have to find out your way how to become a, a beacon for uh, the Muslims and uh, their Islamic activities. So if you got uh, this idea in your mind that you have to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only, and uh, for the pleasures of Allah and not for any praiseworthy remarks from the people. The people, uh, you can't please them all. Huh? So there must be some people who are not pleased with you. That would happen to you. So always uh, remember that you have to please Allah SWT. So do the right thing. Do the right thing. Say the right word. And uh, don't be afraid of uh, any objection. The main thing is hikmah. Hikmah is wisdom. Huh? And uh, the best definition of hikmah is the right saying at the right time, at the right place. These are the three things which make al-hikmah. So you have to say the right words at the right place. Hmm. For example, just remember uh, at this uh, Piccadilly Tavern. <laughs> because <laughs> of that incident, <laughs> I thought I should speak about uh, liquor, why it is prohibited in Islam. Yeah. So then, then this, this is going to impress. Yes. This is going to impress. So that is, uh, that is a, a principle for, for the Muslims to use hikmah, but don't leave the right path at all, just for the sake of other people. No, yeah. you can't. Jazakallah <laughs> السلام عليكم ورحمة الله.